Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We have a lot to cover. Leo Terrell is going to make heads or tails of it. Uh, he's trying to make sense of it. He's a civil rights attorney, Fox News contributor, and that'll be great. Uh, today, we understand, too, uh, a little bit different. Uh, the President of the United States is going to be talking Europe. Everybody's concerned, I think should be, that about 50 thousand Russian troops, or between 25 and 50, I should say, are welled up on the Ukrainian border, the European Command and uh, Transportation Command. Uh, they'll, on the Senate side, will be meeting, and hopefully they'll get it, uh, help put together some tactics, and we'll discuss that. We're also watching civil unrest taking place in Minneapolis, reflective in Seattle, Portland, and New York, uh, and around the city, and a lot of I guess uh, the Minnesota Twins and Minneapolis Timberwolves and certain players decided not to play last night because of the incidents that took place in Brooklyn Center uh, right by where the Derek Chauvin trial is taking place in Minneapolis. So let's get to the big three. Dr. Gupta mentioned about, you know, not putting masks on kids, that's not effective, not necessary. Uh, Martin Calder, do you agree in school there's no, no need for them to be wearing face masks? Uh, children should not wear face masks, no. Yeah, well, how dare he say something like that? Republicans versus big tech. Another effort to stifle Grant DeSantis as he thrives and leads through the pandemic. And now a massive pushback by Republicans. What was that about? That was a forum talking about a free forum, free ideas, very smart people talking about the need or not need to wear masks. That was taken down from YouTube. There's a movement to stop big tech. Number two. As you can hear, the officer, while struggling with Mr. Wright, shouts, taser, taser. That is part of the officer's training prior to deploying a taser. That is done to make her partners aware, as well as the subject, that a taser deployment will be imminent. During this encounter, however, the officer drew their handgun instead of their taser. Uh, that is more mayhem in Minnesota. Tragedy all around. As a veteran officer mistakes her gun for a taser and shoots a fleeing suspect, Dante Wright, by mistake, who later dies. Protests, riots, firing, suspensions, pro-sports postponements ensued on already strife-ridden city. I'm talking about Minneapolis. The fallout along with law enforcement and disorder everywhere. We'll put it in perspective. Number one. An illegal immigrant thinking of coming to the United States is very well aware of the financial benefits for them if they're able to get here and maintain a long-term residence here. Collectively, these benefits add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Stephen Miller weighing in, bribing our way to border security. This seems to be the way this administration is addressing the massive surge of illegals overwhelming our border. Now, this is Trump-like in one respect. Go to the stem of the problem, right? Go to the stem of the problem. We can lower the music. We can go to the, the heart of the problem. That's the triangle countries, including Mexico in this case. And there's some coming from other areas, Costa Rica, even Haiti, who are flooding our borders because the word is President Biden let everybody in. Why not? 
You get free room, free board. If you're a kid on a company, you get schooling. Now, if you live in New York, you get $1,500, maybe $1,600. Considering where they're coming from, this is a good deal worth the risk. What they do is they mortgage their house, and they pay a coyote to bring a member of a cartel to bring you 9,000 miles and then drop you over the wall or bring you right through the brush or cross you through the river. You might drown. You might be violated. But it doesn't matter. And if you're the president of the United States, it doesn't really matter at all. You never bring it up unless you're questioned. When you're the vice president, you're given the assignment to ignore it. You literally ignore it. She made one phone call to the president of Mexico and then praised him. Shouldn't praise him. He's not doing anything. Why are you praising him? So uh, let's talk about what's taking place. Jen Psaki talked about it yesterday. He said a couple of weeks ago, we put a plan in place when it came to the border crisis. Listen to her. Cut 23. There have been a series of bilateral discussions between our leadership and the regional governments of Mexico, Honduras, and Guatemala. Through those discussions, there was a commitment, as you mentioned, to uh, increase border security. So Mexico made the decision to maintain 10,000 troops at its southern border, resulting in twice as many daily migrant uh, interdictions. Guatemala uh, surged 1,500 police and military personnel to its southern border with Honduras and agreed to set up 12 checkpoints along the migratory route. Honduras surged 7,000 police and military to disperse a large contingent of migrants. As with any diplomatic discussion, these discussions happen at several levels. Uh, not the highest level. You just lost your border czar. She's like, I quit. I'm out of here in April. I plan on doing that all the time. Right. Uh, meanwhile, they cut deals that they say with Mexico, Honduras, and Guatemala. We know nothing about it. We don't know any details. We know El Salvador would be part of that, but the president of El Salvador wouldn't even meet with the Biden envoy. And President Biden knows how to fix this. As he would tell you with some ridiculous story that I was asked to handle it, he said, by Barack Obama, who was president. I went in there and I said, hey, uh, what's with the gangs? Well, there's no lights on the streets. So I, I made sure that lights went on the streets and the gang problem went away. Just one of those many ridiculous stories he tells. But he does know what it's like to negotiate with those governments. Remember, he did this for 50 years. He was once chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. And it's always known that there's a challenge at our border. But it's usually handled and acknowledged, not this time, at all. So it's unclear when the U.S. reached the agreement. It is unclear what it dealt with with these countries. It's unclear how much money it's going to cost us. And unless you get it past the government to agencies, it's never going to get to the people. You didn't have to redo it. The Remain in Mexico policy was there. Now it's gone forever. They had 50, 25,000 troops in Mexico on their southern border. They called them Marines. And now they only have 10. Don't tell me it's as good. Stephen Miller knows the mechanics of this. Cut 25. We have reached the bottomless depths of absurdity. Mm -hmm. And it will most certainly not work. And I will tell you why. An illegal immigrant or an illegal immigrant family thinking of coming to the United States is very well aware of the financial benefits for them of doing so if they're able to get here and ma maintain a long-term residence here. You're talking about free health care. You're talking about free education, free American education. You're talking about massively higher wages relative to what you were making in your home country, even if you're getting paid less than Americans would get paid for the same job. Mm -hmm. You're talking about tax credits. You're talking about handouts like we're seeing in the state of New York. Collectively, these benefits add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
So if you don't have an ID and you're here illegally, they put $2.6 billion aside in New York for $15,000, one-time payment. So you show up with no paperwork on purpose. If you have an ID, maybe you're not eligible. Oh, here's my green card. I'm sorry, sir. This is not for you. Oh, you're not here legally? We had no idea who you are and what you've been doing, where you're living? Fantastic. Here's a check for $15,000. Now go back and sit on the split rail fence by Home Depot. That'll be fantastic. And see if you get some work today. If not, we can pay you another 15000 if Governor Cuomo gets in more trouble. We'll see. Because every time he gets in trouble, he gives in to the left. Something to preserve uh, his future because Republicans have no say. I want to talk about other things, including the horrific situation that happened in uh, Brooklyn uh, Center. Officer Kim Potter, we understand the officer was heard saying this on tape. I'll tase you. Uh, because this uh, young man, Dante Wright, who would later lose his life at the age of 20 years old, uh, would try to get away as they were trying to handcuff him. He tried to get in his car and go away. In comes the third officer, 26-year veteran, uh, Kim Potter, uh, goes out and says, Taser, Taser. They're supposed to yell that according to police protocol. Uh, She does, but the fact is, instead of grabbing the Taser, she grabbed her gun. And despite being doing this for 26 years, she got confused. Look, Tiger Woods couldn't find out the difference between a gas pedal and a brake, and that's what the officers say he panicked. So it looks like she panicked. I don't know what went wrong. We have not heard her side. What is stunning to think is that we have not heard her side, but that didn't stop the city manager from getting fired because this guy, Kurt Bogney, said at Brooklyn Center in front of a press conference yesterday that it just looks like a tragic error, and she deserves her due process. Let's listen. And in response to the question about termination, uh, all employees working for the city of Brooklyn Center uh, are entitled to due process with respect to discipline. Uh, This employee will receive due process, and that's really all that I can say today. Do do you support termination of an officer like this who has made the type of mistake Mm -hmm. that has cost uh, a resident of yours life? Mm -hmm. Do you support the termination of this type of officer. What message are we sending here in Brooklyn Center to the rest of the world about the valuation of black life? Do you support the termination of this type of an officer? You know, I understand and appreciate the comment that you made and, and why you said it, but if I were to answer that question, I would be con- I'd be contradicting what I said a moment ago, which is to say that all employees are, are entitled to due process and after that due process, discipline uh, will be determined. If I were to say anything else, um, I would actually be uh, contradicting the idea of due process. Evidently, this guy's got a great track record, and I thought that was a very, uh, a very measured tone. I watched this press conference live. There's nothing wrong with what he said. I mean, you got Derek Chauvin getting due process. You look at that nine-minute videotape. You know, the American system says he gets due process. No one questioned it. But after I watched that nine-minute tape, I'm pretty sure this guy deserves to be convicted. It's what degree of murder, right? That's my opinion. But I'm not going to convict him on my opinion. This mayor fired Kurt Bogning because he didn't go along with his opinion, not a, not a law enforcement expert, his opinion that he should be fired. He's the one in America who doesn't deserve due process, okay? I Especially when you hear the fact that no one, she didn't walk up with a gun and say, don't move, I'm going to shoot you. You clearly hear she grabbed the taser, did not know what she had in her hand. It was a gun, not a taser. That didn't stop Nyasha Wright, the aunt of Dante Wright, who tried to get away, 
hopped in his car, got shot along the way, would later die. Cut one. You don't mistake a stun gun from a gun. You don't mistake that. If I made a mistake like that, I'll be in the jail cell. They'll be trying to put me under it. This not fair. We got several police officers and all in our family. I don't have nothing bad to say about them, but what I got to say is she needs to pay for what she did to my family. My family's blood is on their hands. My brother and my sister is hurting. How do we put life back together after this? Some people say, oh, it's God's plan. That was not God's plan. So obviously extremely upset, totally understand it. Uh, there's no, uh, there are no winners here. Uh, there's no happy ending here for anybody involved. But I think for the police chief and for the officer just to get fired, convicted uh, on the spot and for the city manager, though she got suspended, evidently she's suspended with pay, administrative leave. Uh, right now, as of today, the police chief still has a job, but I think he's going to get fired sometime today, it looks like. He's uh, Chief Tim Gannon. We'll talk about that in a moment, one 408 And then welcome in Leo Terrell to talk about this case a little bit more. And then when I get back, I'm going to take some calls, but I also want to go over what Governor Ron DeSantis uh, did a couple of weeks ago and put together a roundtable. In that roundtable, he got medical experts together to talk about what the wisdom uh, is of what we're doing medically in terms of the distancing. We heard about that change from six feet to three feet. Heard the mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Then once you get vaccinated, don't wear a mask. But now they, Anthony Fauci says, put a mask on. And because of this, this scientific debate, YouTube took it down. How many, how many more examples do you need that the big tech world is biased, kissing up to the party in power, maybe forever, which enter Senator Josh Hawley. I'll let you know what he said on Tucker last night and how it applies to this very topic. Busy day. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade Show. Just like Fox and Friends without the green room and free Danish. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Dr. Gupta mentioned about, you know, 
not putting masks on kids that's not effective, not necessary. Uh, Martin Calder, if you agree, in school, there's no, no need for them to be wearing face masks? Uh, children should not wear face masks, no. Okay. I mean, I think schools, how do you teach a child to read with face masks on, on Zoom? Or, you know, I think, I think the, um, the, the wa- children develop by watching other people. So that was part of a panel that was taken off YouTube because they concluded in many respects kids should not be wearing masks. And I don't think kids should be wearing masks right now. Unless it's a variant that pops out that changes things, they should not be wearing masks. And it's not healthy. You exhale for a reason. You're eliminating something in your body. So that's what they came up with. And it was taken down off YouTube. Inexplicable, unexplainable, unacceptable. So here's Governor DeSantis talking about the takedown of this roundtable yesterday, cut 30. Now, they say it's misinformation, even though Google and YouTube routinely host conspiracy theory videos ranging from the cause of the 9-11 attacks to the role that 5G networks play in causing COVID-19. You can pretty much find any misinformation under the sun on Google YouTube. Now, Google YouTube has not been, throughout this pandemic, repositories of truth and scientific inquiry, but instead have acted of enforcers of a narrative, a big tech council of censors in service of the ruling elite. And so when they took down the videos that were posted by some of the local news outlets here in the state of Florida, they were really continuing what they've been doing for the past year. Stifle debate, short circuit scientific inquiry, make sure that the narrative is not questioned. And I think that we've seen already that that has had catastrophic consequences for our society. In every way. And this is a continued takedown of Ron DeSantis. They tried it on 60 Minutes. It boomeranged. They tried it on Google with Google YouTube. It is blowing up in their face because it makes no sense. This isn't Ron DeSantis sitting down with Ted Cruz, sitting down with uh, sitting down with anybody controversial. These are medical experts who have opinions about things that resonate with the American people. Why would that not be on YouTube as if there's some conspiracy theory network? Is it the same reason the New York Times will not label Governor Ron DeSantis successful? They label him polarizing leader with mixed COVID record in a profile piece on him? Really? He's a rock star among Republican circles, polarizing because he's not a Democrat, and his record with the coronavirus is beyond reproach. Excellent. Excellent. And that was April 12th, the pushback. Now, that, Allison, is on YouTube, right? Yep, I pulled that audio from YouTube. It, he, uh, they, it's up there from yesterday when he uh, redid the roundtable. Okay, you want to know why Ron DeSantis is? Uh, comments and his panel is so important because Anthony Fauci's on every network every single day. And here's what do we have a number on this? Here's what Anthony Fauci said yesterday on MSNBC when it comes to being vaccinated, wearing a mask and going to a restaurant. No, it's still not okay for the simple reason that the level of infection, the dynamics of infection in the community are still really disturbingly high. Like just yesterday, there were close to 80,000 new infections, and we've been hanging around 60, 70, 75,000. So if you're not vaccinated, please get vaccinated. See what I'm talking about? What do you mean? Back in a moment. If you're vaccinated, go to a bar and stay out late. Lift the curfew. Let us get back to our lives. This guy loves just restraining people and being on TV. 
Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And in response to the question about termination, uh, all employees working for the city of Brooklyn Center uh, are entitled to due process. What's wrong with that? I didn't think that was an issue. Leo Terrell joins us now, Fox News contributor, civil rights attorney. And that was a city manager just saying you have a right to due process. It got him fired. Leo, would you take that case if he wants his job back? Uh, immediately. Immediately, because he did absolutely nothing wrong. Brian, due process is fundamental. But this mayor is playing to the mob. And he, he fires the city manager to appease the mob. That's all that was. It's all high drama on the part of the mayor. So yesterday we, we got the story, and I can't really play it on radio. It doesn't transfer well, of uh, what happened. There was a pullover by a 20-year-old, a and he uh, evidently had a warrant out uh, for his arrest. They pulled him over for uh, something to do, some traffic, some he wasn't updated registration or something wasn't on his plate. They got pulled over, and then he resisted arrest, Leo. So he got to get in his car and drive away, at which time in comes uh, this other officer, 26-year veteran, and she says, taser, 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 but it was the gun in her hand. Have you ever heard of someone grabbing a gun instead of a taser? No. No, that, that, that was highly, highly unusual, but it's not impossible. And you have to look at the totality of the facts. You got to hear from the, you got to hear from the 26 year veteran officer, but she's entitled to due process. But yet, Brian, yesterday, this woman was out to kill black men. And that's why you had rioting because the Democrats and, and those on the left conflate every police shooting as a racist shooting. And that is wrong. It was Kim Potter who did it, and now Police Chief Tim Gannon could get fired at some point today. A little bit from his press conference yesterday, because he wouldn't fire and condemn. Cut to. As you can hear, the officer, while struggling with Mr. Wright, shouts, Taser, Taser, several times. That is part of the officer's training prior to deploying a Taser, which is a less lethal device. That is done to make her partners aware, as well as the subject, that a Taser deployment will be imminent. During this encounter, however, the officer drew their handgun instead of their taser. For informational purposes, we train with our handguns on our dominant side and our taser on our weak side. So if you're right-handed, you carry your firearm on your right side and you carry your taser on the left. This is done purposefully and is trained. As I watch the video and listen to the officer's commands, it is my belief that the officer had the intention to deploy their taser, but instead shot Mr. Wright with a single bullet. This appears to me, from what I viewed, and the officer's reaction and distress immediately after that this was an accidental discharge that resulted in the tragic death of Mr. Wright. Was there any spinning in those in those words as as relates to the video we all saw? Uh, not not from my ears. And you know what, Brian, do you ask the other question? Did this woman wake up today and say, I'm going to shoot a black guy today? No. But you see what I'm saying? This black mayor, let's be very clear, is playing to the crowd. And you know what? He just threw out the rule of law. And he, if he's going to fire that police chief like he fired the city manager, he is a, that's called appeasement. And that encouraged the mob to go out and riot. It's absolutely wrong. I'm insulted by the fact, as a civil rights attorney, that that, off, that city manager was being denied due process. And apparently the police chief will be as well.
So I wanted to bring it to Rashid Tlaib tweeted, totally irresponsible, the Democrat from Minnesota, Michigan, yeah, uh, from Michigan, who is a member of the squad. It wasn't an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist. Dante Wright was met with aggressive uh, aggression and violence. I am done with those who condone government-funded murder. No more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. What's your reaction, Leo Terrell? I, I cannot tell you what my true reaction is. I have to have a drink with you privately. She's a nut. She's crazy. You eliminate you. First of all, there is. I want to be as clear as possible. There is no systemic racism in this country. There is no institutionalized racism in this country. If you notice, it's happening in democratic cities. So that just tells you they're lying. And so what she's calling for. The elimination of law enforcement, which is fundamental in every civilized society. You want to know what I truly feel? I'll talk to you in private. <laughs> but that's going to help our audience. Then I could relay it, but I could say, according to an unnamed source, this is what Leo Terrell really thinks. Uh, here's what Bob Woodson is more on your page. Uh, let's listen to what he had to say. Cut nine. Eighty-two percent of black Americans polled do not support defunding the police, and 60 percent do not believe that racial discrimination is the biggest barrier to their future. If, if Tlaib is serious about what she's advocating, then let her be the first to dismiss the Capitol Police. Let her uh, 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 post that she will not respond or, or call 911. So she needs to lead by example and dismiss all of her security at the Capitol. That's what she should do. Put it on the line. You know, vote by your actions. So that would be interesting, right? Let's just uh, don't ever call 911 again and don't expect any security in the Capitol. Well, Brian, you know, this stuff is a failure. Look at, look at Minnesota. Look at Minneapolis. They try to defund the police, and the city council members are calling for 911 help because they're being attacked. Crime goes up when you eliminate or defund the police. It's illogical, but it is political rhetoric. The squad to lead is just political rhetoric. You know darn well they're not going to eliminate law enforcement because it's fundamental to a civilized society. It's just rhetoric. It's, as much, it's just like the, the Jim Crow uh, tactic. The Democrats play the race card all for the purpose of gaining power. That's all this is. So around the country, there were riots declared in Portland. Uh, they have burning of a building, Seattle. Uh, there was riots there. Protesters vandalized downtown businesses after the right death. We know in New York City, protesters blocked streets and the Manhattan Bridge. Uh, they blocked the, the archway here uh, in Brooklyn's Grand Army Plaza uh, because of that. Now, if you want to protest, I understand if people are upset. I absolutely understand. If the family's beside themselves, of course. But I will say there's so much pressure on policing. What I saw this morning, I, they had two experts on, and they say in this climate, normally when someone resists arrest, you bring them to the ground. But now they're so concerned about manhandling, what could be perceived as manhandling uh, of a suspect, that they don't want to do it. So as they're going to cuff him and he pulls away, they were basically going to just watch him pull away before Kim Potter walked up and shot uh, a gun, which he thought was a taser. Taser would have been effective, perhaps, as he closed the door and drove away uh, quickly. But around the country, there were protests. In Minnesota, twins didn't play. In Minnesota, the Timberwolves didn't play. I know there were a couple of Yankees that decided not to play last night. So sports is not missing an opportunity to protest. Do you salute them? 
No, I don't. I salute the, the Masters tournament that, that continue, notwithstanding the political pressure, the racial rhetoric by the Democrats. And then I want to be very clear to your listening audience, Brian. There's no such thing as a routine traffic stop. What about that police officer in New Mexico that was shot and killed? I don't hear Tlaib or the Democrats talking about the police officers who are risking their lives 24-7 to protect us. Yes, there may be a few bad apples, but what I'm saying is that we need law enforcement, and this, this, this hatred towards police officers have to stop. It has to stop, but it's not going to stop because you got the left using it for political advantage. Perhaps uh, we're seeing that. But, you know, I find ironic, you know, where they say this happened, you know, 15 minutes and 15 miles from where the Derek Chauvin case went on. Now, I watched that, Leo, and I, after that nine minutes, I go, OK, that's done. I watch that nine minute tape, hear people scream, get off him. He can't breathe. Hear him saying he can't breathe. You see him in pain. You say, get off him. He doesn't get off. I feel like saying you're convicted. We don't even need a jury. But we have a process in this country. Why does Derek Chauvin... Uh, expected to be get his due process, but this police officer with a 26 year record we think is spotless. The uh, early reports are she had you had was involved in one incident when she was 22, and she wasn't even directly involved. Why do we have to quickly fire her? There's no logic to it. You're asking for a logical, some type of rational conclusion. This is illogical, but. I'm telling you, Brian, you know, for six years, Trump was facing the call of racism. He's not in office. There's more race car play right now. There's more police citizen division right now. And there's no Trump. It's the Democrats. And the, that woman is being that they want that woman fired. They want to deny so, her due process simply because of the race car. It's, it, that's all the Democrats play. So uh, all it is. Right. Leo, somebody who doesn't play the race card is. Um, you know, Senator uh, Tim Scott, but he says, I've been pulled over a lot. Sometimes I'm speeding, sometimes I'm not. People see in a nice car in Washington, they think something might be up. Obviously, that's got to stop. That's intolerant. Do you ever run into things like that with you in your life? Yes, it has happened to me at least four or five occasions. But what I'm, I'm not, I call those officers the officers that need to be retrained or out of the system. Brian, I want to be very clear. 97, 98% of officers are good. My sister was in law enforcement for 16 years. We battled and had disagreements, but she protected people at 2 and 3 in the morning. So you get rid of the bad officer. Tim Scott had a police reform that he tried to get passed well, a couple of years ago. But guess who blocked it? The Democrats. Kamala Harris in particular. Uh, yeah. I want you to hear. I know you don't watch MSNBC, and I don't either. Never. But here is Mika Brzezinski with her theory. Cut 15. Accident or not accident, you have to look at everything that happened that led up to that moment. Right. Because that's as much a part of it as the pulling of the trigger. The, the decision to pull him over at a time when registrations and the DMVs across the country are s slow to respond, if at all if you can even. Um, every decision that was made leading up to that moment plays into the problem that we are all talking about right now. So I guess the coronavirus should have delayed, should have known, the cops should have known they delayed and motor vehicle the registration. She's absolutely wrong, illogical, and that's pandering. And you know what? Those officers did not know he was going to jump and resist. I mean, she's sitting there saying that everything led up to this. She is absolutely, I don't want to use the, the wrong word. She's wrong. I'll tell you in private. Again, I, this private meeting we're going to have is going to be fantastic. 
Um, but I'm getting this. And the last thing was CNN was on the sideline and, uh, excuse me, had uh, reporters there during the protest last night where 40 were arrested. Now, I had to bleep out a lot of it, but the anger towards the media is clear. Now you can see. Now you can see. Y'all be twisting up the story. Talk to me? Do you want to talk yep. to me? Okay, cool. Talk. Don't take my mic, I'll but talk. we're cool. I'll okay, talk. tell me what you think about what's going on What I on think here. about this yeah. is all the press and all the extra shit y'all do makes this worse. You think so? Yes. We when people want to protest, yeah. they shouldn't do it in front of the police. This, yeah. Courthouse. Shit like that. You get what I'm saying? Y'all need to get up out of here with all that twisting up the media ass They believe the, the media makes it worse. I mean, we got to cover it, but do you think people sensationalize it? Oh, I think with the CNN and MSNBC, they're in the back pocket of the Democratic Party. They, they play this. They really play this up to try to create a race war, a division of this nation based on race. So when they see this, this is right up their alley, CNN, MSNBC. They play it up for the purpose of trying to help the Democrats. That's all it is. It's a race card game. So don't you think this is better than going on Hannity's TV show? He gives you like four minutes and you got to share it with Geraldo. Oh. Now I give oh, you I, more I, time I, than that. No, Geraldo. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna criticize my Fox contributor. No, but I do like the time. I love this type of interview. It's extensive. It's expansive, and it provides more time. I love it. Thank you. By the way, I saw you this morning talking about you don't need an alarm clock to wake up, except on Saturday. Exactly, six a.m. Baby, (laughs) people go. I couldn't believe I got up at six a.m. Like I would love to get up at six a.m. That's called Saturday. I heard that. It was hilarious. Hilarious. (laughs) Thanks, Leo. Go get him. Thanks so Thank much you, for your time. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. I'm going to squeeze in some calls when I get back. Uh, first stop, Jacksonville. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Let me be very clear. Um, I, My position is that uh, we cannot afford to make mistakes that lead to uh, the loss of life uh, of, of other people in, in our profession. And so I do fully support uh, releasing the officer of her duties. So she wants her fired. That is the mayor, Mike Elliott. Our duties, he has nothing to do with law enforcement. He's the mayor. Uh, that is not his area of expertise, but that's his choice. But she is not fired because the police chief has not fired him. But will he fire the police chief? Is that going to solve anything? Who wants that job? Uh, Chris, WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, Chris. Hi, Brian. Good morning from Jacksonville, the home of the greatest governor in the state right now. I hear you. Brian, at the end of the day, this isn't about black or white police against everybody else. It's about people not bringing their kids up right to respect and be responsible and accountable for their actions. I'm sure when you was a kid, especially coming from an Irish background, mom and dad said, don't do this. And when the cops say don't do something, you don't do it either. I mean, resisting arrest is inexcusable, Chris. Uh, However, I remember the police chief in Virginia that that I saw that tape on Sunday. 
That's a little different. I mean, you got a guy in an Army uniform who said, my hands are out the door. I don't feel secure getting up. I didn't. I drove to a lighted area. I didn't want to be in the dark. So I thought those cops were over the top. Uh, I think that's a little bit different. He wasn't resisting arrest. He said he didn't want to get out of the car yet. He said he was scared. Well, I couldn't deal with him then. That uh, police officer ended up getting uh, fired, especially when the guy's in uniform and he could show you his ID. So I thought that was a little bit different. But I don't resist arrest. I don't know anyone that does. Uh, most time it ends up in a bad situation. And now cops are afraid to do oftentimes what they're trained to do, and that's put you on the ground if you're going to try to run away. Michael, listen, WVGA in Georgia. Hey, Michael. Hey, Brian. Yeah, uh, the guy kind of took a little of my thunder. Uh, If this guy hadn't resisted, I hated what happened, but three policemen and he resists arrest. Are you kidding me? What, you know, there was the first mistake is he shouldn't have resisted, you know? I, I, you know, it's a series of events. I mean, he shouldn't have resisted, especially in today's criminal justice reform. It's almost impossible to keep someone even overnight. Exactly. And you got three policemen and what? You think you're going to get away from them? So that's off. That that was bad decisions. What happened is awful. But yeah, mom and dad, he needs to respect the police, not fight the police. And that's where we are today. I think so. Uh, I understand that. But it was a brutal mistake. I uh, looking at her track record from on first glance where what I've read it's almost spotless. Thanks so much for the call. Here's the governor last night, cut seven. Emotions and trauma are high in our state, as, as I think would be understood. I think there's a lot of mothers out there that um, know that you shouldn't be able to worry about your son dying going to wash the car. And, and now we have another name added to Philando, Jamar, George and Dante will now be added to that. Uh, but it doesn't give you a right to to break a whole city. Matt, North Carolina. Hey, Matt. Talk to you again. Hello, Brian. Go ahead, Matt. What's on your mind? Nice to talk to you again. I thank you for taking my call. 30 years ago, I told Pete, your call screener, I never would have dreamed the actions of one subject, one suspect that would not protect Take police instructions. Now it affects the entire country. I'm as mad as you about it. I hear you. Matt, thanks so much. Uh, uh, We're going to go back and forth on this for way too long. I think uh, police are under a microscope in a way that I never saw in my lifetime. It's got to stop. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, we're coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. We're going to go inside the court system, see some of the legal wrangling happening in Minneapolis right now and some of the horrific things happening uh, between law enforcement and would-be suspects. We'll talk about that, and we're also going to talk about what uh, Joe Biden's doing. Senator Joe Biden says a bonehead move to pack the court. President Joe Biden's going to put together 36-member council 
in order to pack the court. And I don't think the American people should put up with it. I can't believe he's actually doing it. Carrie Severino on that and the great Ken Starr on that is waiting on board. And then we'll do a simulcast with uh, the Stuart Barney show. Ken, uh, by the way, Ken Starr's got a great book out. It's called Religious Liberty in Crisis, Exercising Your Faith in the Age of Uncertainty. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Dr. Gupta mentioned about, you know, not putting masks on kids. That's not effective, not necessary. Uh, Martin Calder, do you agree in school there's no no need for them to be wearing face masks? Uh, Children should not wear face masks, no. Uh, oops, boy, is that controversial. Controversial enough, controversial enough to have YouTube take it down. Republicans versus big tech. Another effort to stifle Governor DeSantis, remember 60 Minutes, as he thrives and leads through the pandemic. And now a massive pushback from Republicans looking to push back on big tech big time. Number two. As you can hear, the officer, while struggling with Mr. Wright, shouts, Taser, Taser. That is part of the officer's training prior to deploying a taser. That is done to make her partners aware, as well as the subject, that a taser deployment will be imminent. During this encounter, however, the officer drew their handgun instead of their taser. There you go. Tim Gannon, he's the police chief, and his job might be in jeopardy. More mayhem in Minnesota. Tragedy all around. As a veteran officer mistakes her gun for a taser and shoots a fleeing suspect, Dante Wright, by mistake, he later dies. Protests, riots, firing, suspensions, pro sports postponements ensued on an already strife-ridden city. The fallout along uh, with law and disorder everywhere. Number one. An illegal immigrant thinking of coming to the United States is very well aware of the financial benefits for them if they're able to get here and maintain a long-term residence here. Collectively, these benefits add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, That is Stephen Miller. You recognize that voice. Bribing our way to border security. This seems to be the way this administration is addressing the massive surge of illegals overwhelming our border. You know, it's unbelievable because you see what's happening in Texas. They had to sue to stop the pause on deportations that Joe Biden signed in as an executive order. And now another lawsuit from Arizona, desperate to get some attention and help from the courts. They are suing, citing environmental environmental reasons that illegal aliens are coming in such a dizzying rate. They're making an environmental danger, asking judges to step up. Does that court, uh, does that case have merit? What about Texas's success? Can you do what they did? Uh, joining us now is Ken Starr. Uh, pick up his book, Religious Liberty in Crisis, Exercising Your Faith in the Age of Uncertainty. Ken, welcome back. Hey, thank you. Good to be with you, Brian. Hey, Ken, you, you know how desperate some of these border states are uh, to sue their way to security. We know they won, did Texas, on a pause in deportations. They're deporting. Does Arizona have an environmental case when it comes to too many illegal aliens allowed to come in? Yeah. Wall not being built? Well, it, you're right. It, of course, <clears throat> depends on the facts. You've got to build a record. But uh, I have a sense that they're going to make a very serious case that uh, this is having a terrible detrimental environmental uh, impact. And so it, the case obviously should be taken seriously. If an attorney general has assessed the facts and said, we have a huge problem in this state, then the federal courts, I believe, are going to listen very, very respectfully. Got to prove the case, but I think that he will get a very, the attorney general will get a very fair hearing. Governor, um, the governor of South Carolina has come out and said, I do not want 
these illegal aliens in my state. I do not want you taking over facilities, federal government, and putting people there like you did in Homestead, Florida, like you just did the San Diego Convention Center. Uh, will Governor McMaster ha- uh, be able to sustain that? Will he be able to get his wish? I don't think so on that one. I can understand it. I know the governor. He's a very outstanding public servant uh, and uh, has, has really served his country and his state for many years very, very effectively. I don't blame him for being frustrated, but this is where, by golly, the national government calls the shots. I think that's going to be a tough one, Brian. He said, my executive order ensures that South Carolina's most vulnerable children come first and the valuable services and care they receive are not disrupted by unaccompanied minors coming to his state. So that executive order you think will be uh, will not be sustained? I think it's hard. Uh, and the reason is because the national government, the federal government, is in charge of immigration-related uh, matters. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I, that's just a first uh, call, uh, uh, more of an impression than a studied <laughs> reaction to it. And it depends, again, just as in Arizona, what kind of record are they going to build in terms of the impact on the state? But when it comes to immigration matters, guess what? It is the federal government uh, for the most part. So the question is, has the federal government exceeded its powers? Has President Biden exceeded his powers in calling for this? I don't see it. But it might be there. You think Texas can be successful in suing to make sure the wall goes back to being built? Yeah, again, I think it's hard because of uh, the primacy of the federal government, yep. Brian. That's gotcha. just the nature of our, our system. But, you know, these attorneys general are doing what they can. But they're swimming up against a, a tide unless they can prove or demonstrate that the federal government exceeded its power. So Congress didn't pass a law that permitted, I'm saying this is going to be the argument, President Biden to do what he did. That's the key. That's the the key to success in this litigation. Ken, I thought about you right away when Joe Biden did what everyone feared. You know, when they when they put Amy Coney Barrett on this uh, on the Supreme Court and she got confirmed, the Democrats said, we're going to pack the court. And of course, Joe Biden said, I'm not going to do that. But yet on Friday, he said, I have a 36 person bipartisan committee convened to see what we can do because the court system's broken. But what should we know about those 36 members? Carl Rove did some one did some Googling on their background. The idea that this is a balanced commission is laughable. There are 36 members. I've identified four conservatives or libertarians, uh, and the rest are Democrats. The co-chairman of the committee, one of them signed an inflammatory letter calling for the defeat of Justice Kavanaugh. The other served twice as the Democratic National Committee's general counsel and general counsel of the Obama campaign in 2008 and 12, and played Donald Trump in Joe Biden's debate prep last year. I did a cursory check of the members and their contribution patterns in the last two um, election cycles. 16 Democrats on the commission gave 110 gifts in the last two election cycles, totaling $112,000 of the conservatives okay. on the panel. One gave one Republican contribution and one gave a Libertarian contribution. So what kind of a fair uh, commission, uh, <laughs> what kind of results do you think we'll get in 180 days? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> well, I think that it's uh, foreordained that <clears throat> this entire effort is going to fail. <clears throat> Pardon me, Brian. And the reason for that is the courts are operating very effectively. You know, we can talk about Congress or talk about the president. The one bright spot in the government <clears throat> in terms of its efficiency and its professionalism 
is let's begin with the Supreme Court. That's what this is all about. The Supreme Court, whether you agree or disagree with an opinion, operates very efficiently. You know, they just issued the, um, the the ruling with respect to home churches and home Bible studies. When did they do that? Late on a Friday night. <laughs> the point is they're responsive, they're professional in what they do. So there is nothing that needs fixing. It's all political. Ken, I believe I it's doomed to fail. But why? Well, why don't you think that he could pull this off? Does it need 60 votes? I mean, I, one branch of government going after another branch? I don't think he's going to have all his Democrats uh, with him. They recognize this is not like giving money away and infrastructure and all the rest. This is tinkering with the structure of our government that has been play, in place for over 100 years. And I think some Democrats are going to say absolutely not. There will, if the filibuster remains in place, let's pray for Joe Manchin to stay the course. If the filibuster stays in place, he cannot do it because I cannot imagine a single Republican going along with an attempted structural change as opposed to let's put some more money into the economy. So tell me about your book, Religious Liberty in Crisis. Are you talking about the crisis brought on by the pandemic? Much more broadly, but the whole this century, the first 21 years of this century have been really rough years for religious liberty. The 1990s, golden age. But since that time, with the march of secularism, there are increasing pressures and challenges to exercises of, of religious liberty. There are efforts to wipe out the idea of freedom of conscience, that someone could have a conscientious objection. So the battle lines are already forming, and this book is designed to give a source of hope for individuals to be able to enter the marketplace of ideas <clears throat> and to argue from the law. They don't need to go to law school, but argue from the great principles of the Constitution. This is our system. Our system is one of freedom, including religious freedom, but we're in crisis and we've got to equip ourselves for the battle ahead. We're seeing it in church closings right there, right in New York. We see it in California. We saw it in Nevada. We're seeing in various and sundry states pressures on the ability of religious communities to carry on their faith vision. And this book is designed to address this crisis that is all around us. And I think increasingly, churches, synagogues, mosques are seeing we've got to stand up and fight for our religious liberty. Liberty was given to us. It's given to us by God, but it's up to us to defend it. Yeah, uh, I guess the the last few Supreme Court decisions have given uh, a bounce and a step to the religious community, right? Absolutely. And the good news, Brian, is the Supreme Court, and especially with Justice Barrett being on the court, so we're back to court backing, right? Justice Barrett, since she arrived in October, so she's been there just a matter of a few months, she's already been a very powerful voice in favor of religious liberty. I think we've got a golden era ahead of us. If she serves just until the age of 75. I think she should be able to serve beyond that. She serves until almost 2050. So right. we should be grateful that what happened in those waning uh, weeks before the election was a very superb uh, candidate and a friend of religious freedom got confirmed to the United States Supreme Court. So, Ken, do you think that there's a chance that this or this committee will call, I have an idea, 25-year term limit or 12-year term limit or age term limit, whether it's 73 or 68, 
Do you think if that committee makes those recommendations, what would the process be for putting them in play and putting them into law? Yeah. Right. And there have been, to be honest, thoughtful views expressed as opposed to this politically driven thing that should we have a Supreme Court justice who's sitting until he or she is 90 years old, perhaps of ill health and so forth. So I think there's a serious conversation to have about how long should justices serve. That might be actually productive. But the idea that we need to pack the court, we need to expand the court is just totally, totally unacceptable. All right, Ken Starr, congratulations on the book. It is now out, Religious Liberty in Crisis, Exercising Your Faith in the Age of Uncertainty. Thanks, Ken. Hey, thank you, Brian. You got it, 1-866-408-7669. We're also going to talk about big tech taking on Ron DeSantis. He's getting hit by CBS. Now he's getting hit by Google and YouTube. What are they so afraid of? Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Big tech were the leaders in censoring criticism of lockdowns in March of 2020. You had these policies that started to be advocated for, and people, some folks, were very, very concerned about it. But if you posted something on one of these sites critical of the lockdown, it would get taken down. Uh, It would get marginalized. It would get suppressed in one way or another. And I'll ask the experts, but uh, I certainly believe that lockdowns have caused large amounts uh, of deaths in the United States and across the world. And so perhaps if we had had a freer exchange of ideas during those critical months, perhaps we would have been able to avoid some of the terrible policies that we've seen take such huge tolls. Yeah, and, you know, the little things that they're talking about is YouTube taking down Google because they were sitting around in a roundtable. Commissioner Ron DeSantis was not depending on the federal government to give him the best information. He was doing the best he can to assemble his own experts. And when they published uh, this roundtable, uh, concluded the kids should not wear masks. Google decided that's too dangerous. We can't post that. Really? Did you take down that spot where Fauci said we shouldn't wear masks? When Fauci told uh, John Castamatidis that this uh, this coronavirus is not going to be a problem here? That seems dangerous now, doesn't it? Meanwhile... Uh, Ron DeSantis is continuing to be attacked in 60 Minutes. They had letters to the editor talking about how unfair that piece was on him, but they did not come out and apologize. They stood by their piece. And then again, you have New York Times describing Ron DeSantis as polarizing and a leader with mixed COVID record. No, who's got a mixed COVID record? How about a terrible one? Governor Cuomo. The guy's got nine accusers, three major scandals going on, investigated by the FBI, as well as his own attorney general, that's if you want to be kind, you say that's mixed. Governor Ron DeSantis is not mixed. It is outstanding. And for those he gave people choice. And for those who wanted to stay in, you weren't penalized for staying in. Who didn't want to go out to eat, you were not penalized for doing that. Unlike everybody else who we're seeing. DeSantis is criticizing uh, Google for doing that. Meanwhile, Senator Josh Hawley has had it with big corporations condemning things like election reviews in New Georgia and Texas. He's taking action with a measure to break up these big corporations, including big tech, cut 34. 
Here's what my plan would do. First of all, it would break up the big tech companies. Uh, make them uh, spin off uh, their, their various parts. For instance, Amazon should not be able to have the dominant e-commerce platform and also control the cloud. It would break up the big corporations. No, no more mergers and acquisitions by the biggest uh, companies in America. Don't allow the big banks to get any bigger. Tough new penalties. Uh, for corporations that violate our trust laws and also a new ability for uh, prosecutors to go after these trusts. And at the end of the day, Tucker, a, a new focus for antitrust law, which is this. It ought to be about promoting competition. Freedom is protected right. when there's competition, not when there's monopoly. Yeah, Google and YouTube are together, Instagram and uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook are together. That makes people feel secure. And when you want to take down Parler and then you take down their cloud and you take down their infrastructure as well as take them off the App Store and Google does the same thing with Android, you're in trouble. Although we're still waiting for Parler to come back and they claim they want Parler to come back. Uh, so Josh Hawley weighs in. That is perfect timing for Josh Hawley. When we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, uh, Carrie Severino. Carrie Severino is going to go inside what's happening with uh, what's happening with the law in Minneapolis as we see an officer uh, take down a uh, would-be suspect because she thought she was using a stun gun instead it was an actual gun. They want her fired right away. Is that going to stand? As well as uh, changing the Supreme Court. You change the Supreme Court, the number of uh, justices on there, that's a huge deal. You put an age bracket on there. That is a huge deal. You decide that you got to retire at a certain age or after a certain amount of years. That is a huge deal. How they expect to do this with a commission that is clearly partisan, put forward by a guy that swore it would never happen, 78-year-old President Joe Biden, who Senator John Cornyn says he is uh, not in charge of his administration. If you look at what he's doing at the border, I would have to agree. But so far, no proof. I do feel as though my gut tells me Ron Klain and Susan Rice are running everything. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. He violated no law. He was legalistically absolutely correct, but it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make, and it put in question for an entire decade the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress in my view, the most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Joe Biden in 1983, when he was just a senator, making a lot of sense and talking crisply, accurately, and quickly. Can you imagine that? Uh, It seemed like he should run for president. I think he did right after that, and then a whole bunch of scandal happened. Uh, So he failed twice, but uh, sadly he won the third time. So that was him talking about court packing. But then he put together a 36-person commission to look into court packing, setting up age limits and term limits. With us right now to talk about that and more, Carrie Severino, President of the Judicial Crisis Network, co-author of the book Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh Confirmation of the Future of the Supreme Court. Carrie, welcome back. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. What are we to believe, that Joe Biden still believes what he said in 1983, or has he changed and evolved? You know, I I don't even know what he still believes about that. The, The important thing is, what is he 
doing about it. And what we have seen is that his public position has shifted dramatically from the from the clip you just played uh, from him calling this a bonehead idea to then during the campaign refusing to say whether he would pack the court or not. And now starting this commission to basically investigate whether it's a good idea. What we've seen is even if he still thinks it's a bonehead idea, he, it's one he's willing to do because – that's what the political pressure and, in, in, in most part, importantly, the deep-pocketed dark money pressure on him is to do from the extreme uh, wing of the Democratic Party. And, and that's, that's really worrisome to me. How, how much power will this commission have? So if they come out and say, yeah, you got to make that court bigger or you got to make 65 the age limit, what, what, where does that go? Well, look, the commission itself doesn't have any power. It's really an advisory group. But what what Biden is doing with this is using it to give a veneer of kind of quasi-academic respectability to the idea of court packing. He got this commission. It's got 3,000 members on it. Huge commission. He put a handful of moderate Republicans on this commission. So he's going to be saying, oh, this is a bipartisan consensus. Absolutely. Don't don't believe it for a second. This is a group designed to come up with results that make it look like, oh, what I'm doing here with the with packing the court, adding seats to the court, whatever they, they come up saying, this has to do with coming from a, a academic focus or something. Really the people in this commission are people like Lawrence Tribe, who is the one who literally is the one who invented the idea of Borking, Robert Bork. This is these are activists and extremists going back Decades like Biden himself. Um, and uh, so at the end of the day, he's going to be the one that's making them say who's just using them for political cover. Carrie, what are you? Are you for any type of reform? Are you for an age limit? You know, I could, there was a lot of reform I could definitely get behind. Some of them, like an age limit, the, 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 actually the, the kind of feature of them is that you can't just do it with a um, – uh, with with a, a law passed by Congress, you can change the number of seats in the court, but having having term limits of some sort, you need a constitutional amendment because the Constitution gives life tenure to justices. That doesn't make it a bad idea. In fact, there's a lot of people who make compelling cases for why things have changed since the founding of our country. People live twice as long as they used to. Maybe we should have limits, but it needs to be done in a way that is not partisan. That's why a constitutional amendment is actually a great way when you do have to change these things, because you can't just do it with the bare majority with the vice president breaking the tie kind of things like we're talking about. You would have to have overwhelming support from the American people. You would have to design it in a way that doesn't blatantly uh, help one party over another. And if you could come up with reform proposals that were done in that way, I think absolutely, you know, there's always room to improve and change the system. What it shouldn't be is a bald political move masquerading as some sort of uh, change that they're, they're, that is not actually what's good for the court. That's why you have people like Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg and Justice Breyer, who are saying, no, 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 let's not turn this into a political football. This would be a bad move. Yeah, absolutely. Here's Senator Harry Reid. This is what he said in the past. I think it's, we should be very, very careful in doing so. I have no problem with the commission, but I think that the commission uh, is going to come back and disappoint a lot of people because I think they're going to come back and say we should just kind of leave it alone. I think it would be inappropriate at this time after that long history we've had in the country, have term limits for judges. Uh, I think that we better be very, very careful in saying that uh, we need to expand the Supreme Court. I think we better be very, very careful. 
That was actually him over the weekend. He says they're going to disappoint a lot of people and come back and say, leave it alone. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the commission does. I can just tell you the way it's been designed, the deck is very much stacked in favor of liberal extremists on this commission. Again, you say a handful of, of moderate Republicans, that doesn't make the results bipartisan when it's so overwhelming like this. And I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if they think they can, they have the political will to get that done, um, I think they absolutely are going to go for it. And they being, being Congress and being the Democratic Senate and the vice pre- and, the, and the president. Um, so it's, you know, I think the, the key is we need to make sure that everyone recognizes loud and clear, this isn't something that America wants to see. I think if you took, you take surveys, American people say, no, no, we don't want the court to be politicized this way. Even if you did do some things, again, that take, that do require bipartisan change, like, like adding term limits, you need to have something that is a, a true bipartisan effort and a true apolitical effort. So I, I think that's, uh, uh, you know, I, I just don't want this to get pushed through in a, in a uh, vicious partisan style. And if, if Congress and the Senate and the president recognizes it's really unpopular, that, in the end of the day, is the best way to stop it because they'll realize there's going to be a huge backlash. So to Kerry Severino and uh, tapping into our legal expertise, she's president of the Judicial Crisis Network. Carrie, uh, push, I find it unsavory. I understand politically why they're doing it. But the fact that Justice Breyer is being pushed blatantly and uh, transparently out the door... So they get a Democratic replacement uh, pick or Joe Biden gets to replace the pick in case the White House goes in somebody else's hands next or the Senate goes in Republican hands. What do you feel about the pressure being put on Breyer to retire? Yeah, I think it's really unseemly. This is very disrespectful to have people not just like writing op-ed pieces and commenting about it, which is bad enough, but they're running billboards, mobile billboards through Washington, D.C., saying Justice Breyer retire. When he came out and spoke and said, hey, I don't want the court turned into politi- a, a political body. I don't want people to be packing the court. That would be bad for the court. You had people even upping the ante saying, hey, if you don't want the court to be uh, packed, maybe you should just retire and let Biden replace you. That's like intimidation and threats against the justice, basically saying we're, go- we're, we're not going to um, uh, respect the court unless you step down. So I, I think this is, you know, a really bad uh, step in the wrong direction in our discussions of the court. And uh, I hope that Justice Breyer continues to be that voice for reason and push back on that. I hope they don't succeed in pushing him out the door because, you know, they're just they're sick of him. He's not radical enough for them or he's not young enough for them. So through the House is going to be this resolution to make D.C. a state. They even come up with different names for it with Frederick Douglass's last name in the title. What has to happen constitutionally for another state to be added? Well, I think the challenge with with, um, D.C. in particular, this would even be harder constitutionally to manage than, say, you know, making Puerto Rico a state, which is another thing that's been floated, uh, because – the way that the District of Columbia was created within the, the founding of the of it's supposed to be neutral. Was, it's supposed to be neutral. It's supposed to not have a state uh, that has the capital in it, so that so that no state can claim it's got that. And in fact, the territory for DC came from Virginia and Maryland. So there are people making the the argument that actually, if they wanted to get rid of DC. 
what has to happen is that that territory would just revert back to Maryland and Virginia. So I think if they decided to do that with D.C., we would, it would be really crazy because we're going to run into a whole bunch of challenges in, in the courts, probably going up to the Supreme Court to say, can they even do that? So yet another area where there's, uh, you know, there's legal and constitutional uh, boundaries that, uh, right. that they're willing to push up against for this pure partisan. But, Carrie, do you uh, need 60 votes? Is it two-thirds of Congress, of the Senate, well, uh, I, for a Senate to yeah. add a Senate? To add a, a I, 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 I need I, I can't remember if it's two thirds or three quarters, but it is a serious lift um, to try to get states out of it. But I, I have I have to go back and check my my numbers on that one myself. Yeah, it's really hard to do it in a partisan way. We haven't been alive when we we're adding states where I haven't been. Uh, and neither of you, you're younger than me. Uh, but I remember it was always OK. If you had a wire, we'll add Alaska. You had a Republican state, we had a Democratic state. Um, and right. sadly, it was slave state, free states. But they're not even looking to do that. This is the jam down your throat era. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not how we used to do it, where you try to make it not have a major right. political shift. Carrie, thanks so much. Carrie Severino, we need your legal expertise more and more every day, sadly, because we can't do anything without the courts, because we can't agree on anything. When we come back, Barney and Company, simulcast on FBN, the fastest-growing cable network in all the land. Don't move, everybody. You'll finally find out what I look like. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. All right, in a matter of moments, we'll be able to start. join Stuart Varney. He's going to come to you right now, but I'm going to take some calls right after that. So be ready, 1-866-408-7669. And not to quote Bobby Bonilla, but my first stop will be the Bronx. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, meanwhile, we are uh, waiting to see... Uh, the results, we are, also have Officer, uh, officer Evans. He's, got a, he's the officer who lost his life last week protecting the Capitol. Let's listen. And that's where we are now. All right, outrage of the day. City manager in Brooklyn Center fired for suggesting that the police officer get due process. Outrageous, uh, Brian. It's absolutely nuts. Picture, picture this, Stuart. Uh, 15 minutes away, Derek Chauvin's getting due, due process. You watched that nine-minute video. Your gut probably told you, does he really need it? We know uh, if he got off the neck of George Floyd, many people think this guy's alive. George Floyd's alive today, but he gets due process. He gets a jury trial. I mean, we have a situation where on tape you have a third officer come in with 26-year history and say, taser, 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 and it was her gun in her hand instead of her taser. We want to give her due process, even speak to her. And he gets fired and no one's outraged by that? And guess what? I bet you sometime during your show today or my show today, the police chief is going to get fired because they don't like that he didn't come out and condemn. That's Mike Elliott, I believe, is the, is the mayor of that, of that town. I, I can't believe that it's come to this, Brian. The mayor fires people for asking for due process. Anyway, I've got to move on because there's a whole lot to cover this morning. I want you to look at this tweet from the squad member, Ariana Presley. It reads, You can't be anti-racist if you're anti-student debt cancellation. Another extraordinary statement from the squad, Brian. I don't know. What, what is she even talking about? 
Do only people, uh, yeah. do only minorities go to college? Do only uh, minorities take out student loan? What are you even saying? I mean, what is going on with the squad? They say one thing after another, and they get a total pass. You know, if there's a problem like this coming from a different community or a different party, they want to cancel that person, make them resign, and take them off committees. But now if you are, I don't know, Joe Biden, who said I only want to take $10,000 and forgive student debt, then uh, maybe he's got some racist tendencies. Or how about this, Stuart? What if you're 35 years old, you just spent 10 years working an extra job to pay off your loan, and you might not be for somebody taking out the same loan and not being responsible for the debt? Rashida Talid says, stop all policing. Um, the policing is basically racist. I mean, I, I don't know how to wrap my head around all this stuff, but it stops when people say, you are wrong. America is not a racist society. This is a society with a rule of law and we demand due process. This has got to stop somewhere, Brian. I would think so. It's an imperfect society, but there's nothing perfect on this planet. That's why you even have police to begin with. That's why you have courts to, to start with. And I'll add this. I think that if she really believes that, then she should be barred from ever calling 911. She should be barred from ever having security because they're racist anyway. You probably don't want them around you anyway. And you've just insulted millions of people in this country and their families and many retired and their families with that ridiculous uh, anti-law enforcement statement. And it just adds to the rhetoric. Who is she? Who's voting for her every year? Who is she representing? I mean, how is that a rational thought? And at the same time, we look Officer Evans in his hearse and family motorcade is arriving on Capitol Hill as he sits in state because he saluted, because he gave his life to protect the Capitol, which he might have been on the inside. Is he a racist? I mean, of all these people, racist, law enforcement racist? I mean, you can't have it both ways. This is totally out of hand. Totally out of hand. Brian, Thanks for joining us this morning. You got it. We're trying to keep our emotions on the lock and key. See if we can do that. Thanks uh, so much. We'll Brian. see if we can work out. Thanks so much. one 408 Joe is in the Bronx. Hey, Joe. Uh, good morning, Brian. Uh, basically, I'm going to be paraphrasing Dr. Paul Craig Roberts and summarizing a recent article that he wrote. Insofar as that, he actually points out that over $120 billion every year uh, from U.S. taxpayers goes directly to support illegal aliens in terms of social services, what have you. Uh, but that does not include this approximately 60 to $70 billion in remittances drained from the economy by illegals working in the United States, not paying taxes, and then sending that money back home to their respective countries, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, what have you. Uh, furthermore, uh, since Carlos... And, and now let's Flynn, add this. Let's add this, Joe. What about the money we're evidently giving these countries to keep their people there, uh, to, give this, to provide security in their own nations, let alone the aid we just write to them? So when they come over to this country, spend $60 million a week uh, making sure unaccompanied minors get schooling, get clothing, get accommodations. Now we're putting them into hotels. 53,000 families came last month. You expect another 53,000 to come this month, let alone the judges, let alone the shelter, let alone the food. Coming here because these countries are, are uh, repulsive in some cases, number one, and number two, ours is better. But we have to have a system. You think that people just walk into Australia or take a boat and they're just allowed to come in? 
allowed to come into Europe, allowed to come into the U.K., allowed to come into Russia, allowed to come into China. Not that they ever want to go into China or Russia, by the way. To Canada, they got stricter rules than us. But they have to walk through the U.S. to get to Canada. That's how they're currently coming. So that's that's somewhat of a big deal. In case you do not know, yesterday it was announced that there is a uh, Biden uh, Biden administration illegal immigrant policy. They are deciding to get money and work out deals with three separate nations in order to write a check to keep these uh, citizens there. Despite being uh, full of violence, being full overrun with gangs, no sense of, there's a lot of sense of grift where the money that you give goes to the, uh, the terror networks, the drug cartels. So the deal with Mexico, Honduras, and Guatemala very much in play, and they're playing it smart. Hey, can't control my people unless I get a big check. If I get a big check, maybe I'm going to try to get my men and women in camouflage to rein in all the illegal aliens who are raiding your country. Trump said, I'm going to tariff you, cut you off until you act. That got their attention. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. We got a big hour coming your way. Wall Street Journal's finest, Kim Strassel. Don't let Dan Henniger hear me say that. He was on yesterday, but Kim's here today. She's going to be joining me talking about uh, her her latest column, uh, talking about how good Joe Biden has been for Republicans, especially when it comes to raising money. And then the police commissioner of Nassau County, New York, Patrick Ryder, on what took place in Minneapolis, what took place in Virginia and proper policing and where that stood. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Dr. Gupta mentioned about, you know, not putting masks on kids. That's not effective, not necessary. Uh, Martin Fulder, if you agree in school, there's no no need for them to be wearing face masks. Uh, children should not wear face masks, no. Oops, I better take that down. That's according to YouTube and Google. Republicans versus big tech. Another effort to stifle Governor Ron DeSantis as he thrives and leads through the pandemic. And now a massive pushback from Republicans to push back on big tech and big corporations. Number two. As you can hear, the officer, while struggling with Mr. Wright, shouts, Taser, Taser. That is part of the officer's training prior to deploying a Taser. That is done to make her partners aware, as well as the subject, that a Taser deployment will be imminent. During this encounter, however, the officer drew their handgun instead of their taser. Amazing. Um, That is Chief Tim Gannon of of Brooklyn Center uh, over in Minnesota. More mayhem mayhem in Minnesota. Tragedy all around as a veteran officer takes her gun for a taser and shoots a fleeing suspect, Dante Wright. By mistake, he later tragically passes away. Protests, riots, firing, suspensions, pro sports postponements ensued on an already strife-ridden city. The fallout, along with the law and disorder everywhere, will review. Number one. An illegal immigrant thinking of coming to the United States is very well aware of the financial benefits for them if they're able to get here and maintain a long-term residence here. Collectively, these benefits add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that, of course, is uh, Stephen Miller, the architect of uh, many of the 
border, border rules under the Trump administration, bribing our way to border security. This seems to be the way this administration is addressing the massive surge of illegals overwhelming our border. And joining us now to discuss that and more, Kimberly Strassel, The Wall Street Journal. Kimberly, do you ever remember a vice president getting a charge, a responsibility, and ignoring it like the vice president Kamala Harris is now when it comes to the border ever? No, it's pretty extraordinary, especially when you do that contrast with our prior vice president uh, giving the task of dealing with COVID um, and what you saw as a result of that Operation Warp Speed, which is rolling out today, even as we talk, and uh, the vaccine is going out to millions of people and uh, you know, obviously record time that they they managed to create these vaccines. And yet we have a vice president that it's almost as if this issue doesn't exist. But it is a ongoing emergency. I mean, you have illegals pouring in uh, facilities overwhelmed, uh, three countries emptying out. And she basically punted what I was reading an analyst say when she got this charge. She said, well, it is dynamite. You know, this could be radioactive for her. Not really. If you're a leader, you'll accept any challenge, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I think you're seeing come to the fore here, Brian, is this is an administration that seems to think, because it's worked pretty well with them, it helped get them elected, uh, that you can solve everything through messaging. You know, you just come out, you have a nice phrase, like we see the president all the time saying, I'm a unifier, I'm a unifier, when obviously all the actions are opposite. Um, and you see this, too, with the border. They seem to think that if the message is, don't worry, this is not the same as uh, what uh, bad Trump did, this is not a crisis, it's not a problem, that you can make it go away. When, in fact, the problem are the policies, and they refuse to deal with the questions of the policies, which are what are driving this surge. So, uh, Kimberly, I'm reading your column, and I just talked about how the best thing for Republicans has been President Biden, that he is not a unifier, that he's been divisive, he's been partisan. He just jammed $1.9 trillion and wants $2.3 trillion, trillion more, and he mislabeled both plans. And that has helped Republican donors, correct? Yeah, it's extraordinary. So last week uh, I heard from uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's political team he raised $27.1 million in the single quarter alone. It's the most money any Republican representative has ever raised in a quarter. And to put that in perspective, over the prior two-year cycle, he raised about $100 million. So this was more than a quarter of that in just one quarter. And you're seeing the same thing from the National Republican Congressional Committee, from the National Republican Senatorial Committee, all of them taking in huge sums of money. And they were all honest with me that they've had a very simple message out there to their donors, which is this the only way that we're going to stop this kind of radical transformation of the country and all of these Biden plans is to retake the House and the Senate. And remarkably, you wouldn't think so necessarily because Republicans, you know, they in theory should be a bit demoralized after last year's presidential loss. They are opening their pocketbooks. They see the need for this. And, and it's all thanks to Democrats. And if you think about corporate America, they basically walked away from the Republicans, at least in words, after January 6th. You write, uh, Republicans' corporate money problem is getting worse by the day. That was what the Huffington Post wrote. But what are you finding? Yeah, it's remarkable. We got all of these stories. You remember them. Day after day, starting in January, there were a number of corporations who said that they were going to pause their donations to the GOP in the wake of January 6th. 
Um, and uh, there were all these stories about how it was going to spell the end of the GOP because there's this belief out there that the party is absolutely dependent upon corporate PAC money. Um, what we're actually finding is the yes, those donations have have gone way down. You know, the McCarthy numbers only about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars or less than two percent of that twenty seven point one million came from corporations. So it's gone down, but it hasn't mattered. Uh, you know, the average uh small donor out there in the conservative ranks is making up the difference. Um, and I think that's a real problem for the corporations, not the GOP, because the GOP is saying, look, we can get along just fine without you. You want to go do all your woke politics? Go for it. Uh, we're focused on winning back the House and the Senate. We'll do it without you. And you may not have much of a voice when we get there. Very interesting because yesterday, excuse me, over the weekend, there was over 100 CEOs, including almost every major airline outside JetBlue, on a conference call talking about how to fight back against these new, their words, restrictions on voting from Republican-run states. Uh, Was that supposed to be intimidation? We know this Harvard Law professor, a left-winger, is the one, excuse me, Yale Law professor, is the one that organized it. Yeah, this is unprecedented, Ryan, because look— Yeah, politicians get – I mean corporations get involved in political fights on policy issues. You know, we know where corporations generally stand, most of them, on raising corporate tax rates. Um, And they – we assume that they get involved in these fights because it is a question of value for their shareholders. That's why they have lobbyists. That's why they have a presence in Washington. But this is unheard of in my time that I've been covering corporations, that they would take a – what is a a side in a pure-out partisan political battle, uh, take the Democratic side, uh, get issue, get involved in an issue that does does not concern them. I mean, you know, the heads of Delta and Coca-Cola are hardly experts on voting uh, procedures. Um, and to do so because they're, they themselves are being intimidated by Democrats and they themselves think that it's in their political favor to join one side on this. And that's my argument is, That's very out of keeping with uh, historic practices. It's why corporations, smart corporations, they give about half of their money to each uh, each party just to stay in the middle and on balance on these issues. They're choosing a side here and there will be long term consequences. There may be. uh, But I know there's 41 states, maybe more that have changed their laws after the pandemic because they changed their laws because of the pandemic. And there are things like getting voter I.D., uh, there's things where, where they cut the number of drop boxes, and now they're saying that that is Jim Crow on steroids. And I believe this is all a big setup to push H.R. 1, which would federalize elections, have public financing for candidates. Just a one, one terrible idea after another. Do you think they're related? Absolutely. You are spot on. This entire effort to claim that the states that are simply moving to uh, put back into law the standards and the practices that were routine and and smart prior to the pandemic, because remember, that's when everything changed. Democrats filed hundreds of lawsuits to get last-minute ad hoc changes that they felt would benefit them out there uh, at the ballot box in 2020. Now you have states trying to uh, go back to the way things were, to reassure voters and have confidence in electoral integrity. Uh, The only way that they can manage to push through H.R. 1, which is a federal takeover of state elections, is to claim that these laws are somehow racist 
basis, and therefore states can't be trusted to engage in them, and that only the federal government can now run state elections, which, by the way, again, unprecedented and crazy. For hundreds of years, states have been running their own elections. Uh, absolutely true. We're talking to Kimberly Strassel of the Wall Street Journal. Kimberly, over the weekend, I don't know if you were invited. I really don't. Um, you might have been. Uh, Mar-a-Lago hosted a lot of the big Republican donors, and the president made a speech, at which time he talked a lot about the election, a lot about what a SOB Mitch McConnell is, and how Mike Pence uh, is you know, weak-minded or weak-willed by not standing up for him on January 6th. Here's what Maggie Haberman said, who was just on Mar-a-Lago campus, finishing up her book on Donald Trump. I have no idea why he keeps letting her back. But here's what her reporting revealed. He spent as much time attacking Mitch McConnell as he did talking about the future of the party or any kind of forward-looking vision. It's really breathtaking. This was a Republican National Committee donor event, and that is where he chose to attack the, the most prominent Republican uh, who exists in the country at the moment, uh, also continued to attack Mike Pence, the former vice president whose life was threatened on January 6th. This is the, the dilemma Republicans have, is or some Republicans all, but there are Republicans willing to criticize him. There are any other number of Republicans who went down to kiss the ray at Mar-a-Lago. And as long as that is going to happen, Trump is going to retain a presence in the party. So what's your thought about what took place? I've heard that from Axios, too, uh, that that was pretty much the content of a very long speech. Well, first of all, of course, Donald Trump is going to remain a presence in the party. He's the former president of the United States and a Republican Party that has him in the energy uh, of his supporters in it is a stronger party. I would love to to see the president um, figure out a way to move on from last year and bring the party together because, I mean, it is true. Look, Brian, we've both been doing this a long time. When you have parties that have major divisions, especially at the top, um, they can founder and those splits can be difficult. Now, I would also point out that the president has been grumpy in the past with guys like Mitch McConnell. I remember tweets and different fights. Um, and in the end, there was also a decision uh, that it was better to come together. And so we'll see where this goes. It's still pretty early days. Um, but I, I'm, I'm always struck by these reporters who seem to think that the only job of Republicans is to exile Donald Trump. Um, and that's just not going to happen. It is. It is not. But he's still the powerhouse behind it. The question is, uh, through the investigations that's coming after him, if he's emerged unscathed, nobody runs against him. Nikki Haley made that clear. I'm not running. You know, Ron DeSantis won't. What I'm amazed at, Kimberly, maybe you can put this in perspective, how everyone's coming at DeSantis. 60 Minutes took a big swing and they missed, in my mind. I think there's a huge backlash on that. And now Big Tech, he has a roundtable just talking about the, the wisdom of making Kids wear masks, adults wear masks, where we're at with this pandemic. YouTube took it down. Here's what he said yesterday in another round table, Cut 30. Now, they say it's misinformation, even though Google and YouTube routinely host conspiracy theory videos ranging from the cause of the 9-11 attacks to the role that 5G networks play in causing COVID-19. You can pretty much find any misinformation under the sun on Google YouTube. Now, Google YouTube has not been, throughout this pandemic, repositories of truth and scientific inquiry, but instead have acted of enforcers of a narrative. A narrative that doesn't include Governor Ron DeSantis or anything Republican. They're playing politics not only with the New York Post story and Hunter Biden, but they're trying to neutralize this rising force in Florida. 
<laughs> yeah, do you remember the old days? I think it was only a couple of years ago where Google still had as its catchphrase, do no evil yep. or don't be evil. Um, <laughs> how long ago was that, right? I mean, the, the remarkable thing is the degree to which YouTube will just with a straight face suggest that it's censorship code or rather the the grounds upon which it takes things down is is not biased in any way which is laughable um and i think but to, to go back to where we began with this and desantis you know the the great unspoken out there is that there's a huge fear i think among uh, Democrats and the woke business community, they're beginning to understand that there are a lot of people out there that have the ability to step up and, and uh, follow in Donald Trump's wake to to have his policies, as it were, and his way of really speaking truth to power, uh, but who are not him. And they worry very much about some of those people coming up in the ranks. Now, we don't know uh, if Donald Trump is going to run again, um, and I think there's going to be a lot of negotiations over the next few years about that. But they don't like the notion that there are some very charismatic, creative, young conservatives that are next in line to lead the party, guys like Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, and though they're trying to, to take them out before they can really get a following. Scary. You know, Kimberly, I don't mind reporting about who's winning and losing, but I don't like when the referees get paid off. And the referees right. are getting paid off. So you're not going to get – I just worry we're not going to get the true winner, especially when you have a faux outrage about Georgia and Texas and election laws. They're trying to create some doubt in the final tally again. Final thought? Yeah, no, this is exactly – I mean we had all of this moralizing about how awful it was that anybody questioned what happened in 2020. And now that we're actually taking some concrete steps to make sure that people are reassured, who's sowing all the doubt? Who are the sides that actually want you to not believe in the outcome of elections uh, or to make it sound as though we are engaging in voter suppression? It's a lie, um, but uh, I just think it's important to call them the way you see them, and that it's the left doing that right now. You got it. Kimberly Strassel of the Wall Street Journal. Thanks so much, Kimberly. It's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Where are Tucker and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram? Where is Ainsley Earhart and Steve Ducey and Brian Kilmeade? Where are the biggest stars on Fox getting vaccinated? I get it's a personal choice. I get that's between, you know, the hosts and their healthcare provider. But everybody else is doing it, right, Matt? I mean, all across television, all these anchors are, are rolling up their sleeves. Why do you think we haven't seen the biggest stars on Fox News get vaccinated or show us their vaccine selfies? Am I one of the biggest stars on Fox News? We really just played that to, like, help build up your ego. Right. Uh, where I'm supposed to get vaccinated and for Brian Stelter to be happy on CNN? I don't want to lead people like sheep. I got vaccinated. I'm willing to say it. But I'm not going to sit there and go, look at me. Look at my deltoid. And by the way, I don't think anyone's following Brian Stelter. I've never seen someone so self-important as he. I know you like his newsletter. I I, need, I I cannot believe how in love with himself he is. I've never seen anyone like this. Well, I don't disagree with you there completely. I mean, and everyone that writes for it is very self-indulgent. However, there are some things in there that I don't see elsewhere that do help. And it's also to see them just like 
bashing Fox 24-7. It's like clearly they have a motive because they want Fox to fail so they can do better. But they want something to, they want a rival. Uh, Ali wants Frazier. Uh, they're not in our weight class. Number two is they want Trump. They want to ridicule Trump. Trump's gone. So now they're attacking Tucker. It's ridiculous. So they go, they go up to Tucker. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, Lachlan Murdoch wrote a letter backing up Tucker. You watched Tucker last night. He embraces. You just gave him another four points in ratings. That's it. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. That was the story, and the, the voice here was Officer Kim Potter of Brooklyn Center of Police. Uh, Brooklyn Center of Police. She's been doing this for 26 years. Uh, she walked up on a uh, suspect that was trying to get away uh, and escaping while well, the handcuffs were being put on. And when she did that, she took out what she thought was her taser. Instead, she took out her gun. Here is Chief Tim Gannon of Brooklyn Center explaining when he saw the tape, he wanted to bring it out to the public right away. And a lot of people didn't want him to, but he said, listen, I want to be transparent. This is what happened. Here's Chief Tim Gannon yesterday. As you can hear, the officer, while struggling with Mr. Wright, shouts, taser, taser, several times. That is part of the officer's training prior to deploying a taser, which is a less lethal device. That is done to make her partners aware, as well as the subject, that a taser deployment will be imminent. During this encounter, however, the officer drew their handgun instead of their taser. For informational purposes... We train with our handguns on our dominant side and our taser on our weak side. So if you're right-handed, you carry your firearm on your right side and you carry your taser on the left. This is done purposefully and is trained. As I watch the video and listen to the officer's commands, it is my belief that the officer had the intention to deploy their taser but instead shot Mr. Wright with a single bullet. And, And he would eventually drive away and he would pass away. Joining us now to try to put in perspective from the law enforcement perspective is a police commissioner in his own right, the commissioner of the Nassau County Police Department in New York, Patrick Ryder. Commissioner, welcome back. Good to hear, Brian. I hope everything's well. Yeah, it is. And I, I know that, you know, you watch all this stuff with great interest because a lot of times when, when something goes wrong, especially now in another city, you feel it in Nassau County, certainly New York City. So the protest last night in, uh, in two separate areas in March and blocking of bridges. saw violence in Seattle and Portland, what else is new? And then we saw the violence uh, last night, 40 arrested in Brooklyn center. First off on the internet itself, how often, if at all, does it happen where you mistake your gun for your taser? And do your officers also have a taser on the left and their gun on the right? So everybody's trained the same way. You keep your dominant hand always available, right? That is the hand that if you had to use a weapon, you would you would keep that. If you're a right-handed person, that's your right hand, left-handed, left hand. But in, And you always take your taser. It's a cross draw. So it comes from the opposite side. So when you train... You have your weapon, you pull it out, you holster that weapon, you reach across, and you pull the taser. And that's when, in that part of, as we call and train for, de-escalation. So in the case of the officer uh, the other day, she obviously came out, she pulled the weapon originally, did not reholster that, and then obviously she had her, her um, taser on her left side. She did not pull that taser. She believed, according, and look, the video tells the story. 
There was obviously remorse. There's obviously accountability, transparency. You heard it say it. Oh, blank, I shot the person. I thought I had my taser. And that was, that was the belief that she said that she had a taser. So it shows that, you know, look, she made a horrible mistake. And, and unfortunately, this young man is dead because of that. The whole thing happens. They pull over 20-year-old for, uh, for some type of the vehicle wasn't registered. And then when they pull over, they find out there's a warrant. As you saw this unfold, you see two officers walk around. It seems like this officer, the third one to come in, uh, is the one, Kim Potter. She's a 26-year veteran. Is she coming in? Is she doing the right thing coming in there? Or do you feel as though even though he's beginning to slip away, it's not her place? I would say she's doing the right thing. And here's what happens. The young man is compliant. He steps out of the car. They're going to place the handcuffs. And then at that moment, he decides whatever reason or why he did it, I'm not going to get arrested today. So she's there to assist that and, and support that officer if something happens in the wrong direction. The other officer gave the direction, tase him, tase him. And then you heard her yell. And that's a standard that we do here, too. We use the word three times, taser, taser, taser. Let everybody know I'm about to fire my taser. So step back because anybody touching the person will also get the same results of that shot. So she followed up to that, you know, the, the, I would assume the procedures and protocols similar to what we do here in Nassau. The problem being is that it wasn't her taser. It was the handgun. There, there's the horrible mistake. And, again, I said to you this morning, it, it's what's, in the, what's the mental state of the individual firing the, the weapon? You know, is it intentionally, knowingly, criminally negligent? Is it reckless? That comes into play. When you look at a case like this and you're going to evaluate if it's going to be criminal charges and both the chief of police said the accidental discharge and then uh, the I believe it's the city manager said it was, you know, we're going to let do take due process here and, and see what happens. So I want you to we hear this. Walk, go ahead. Finish your finish your thought, Commissioner. We, we, we can't walk away from a judicial system. We, we have to let it take its place in this process. Uh, we, we've heard loud and clear from the many um, marches and protests over the, the summer and still going on today that, look, they want change. And, and part of that change is transparency and accountability. Well, that you can't be more transparent than they were uh, regarding this shooting with the officer the other night. How do you feel about the decision to show that video? He said originally there's some pushback about me doing this, but I want to be transparent. Did he make the right move? Absolutely, because if you don't, you're not educating the public as to what happened. You know, many, many of the people in the public still mind up, may be angry, still not be satisfied with the results, and, and that's understandable. But, but many people probably sit back and went, oh, my God, that poor woman, she made a horrible, horrible mistake. But it wasn't criminal. She wasn't trying. She didn't want to shoot that kid. She believed she had a taser. So I want you to hear the city manager, and I think we agree on this. I cannot believe he gets fired for saying this. And in response to the question about termination, uh, all employees working for the city of Brooklyn Center uh, are entitled to due process with respect to discipline. Uh, This employee will receive due process, and that's really all that I can say today. Do, Do you support termination of an officer like this who has made the type of mistake mm-hmm. that has cost uh, a resident of yours life. Mm-hmm. Do you support the termination 
of this type of officer? And what message are we sending here in Brooklyn Center to the rest of the world about the valuation of black life? Do you support the termination of this type of an officer? You know, I understand and appreciate the comment that you made and, and why you said it. But if I were to answer that question, I would be con I'd be contradicting what I said a moment ago, which is to say that all employees are are entitled to due process. And after that, so there's nothing wrong with what he said. But guess what was tweeted out? Mike Elliott, this, the Minnesota mayor. Said Minneapolis mayor, I effective immediately, our city manager has been relieved of his duties and the deputy takes over. He'll be assuming his duties moving forward. I'll continue to work my hardest to ensure good leadership at all levels of our city government. I'm outraged by this. What did he do wrong, Commissioner? So it's funny. He's, he's obviously whatever the towing the line of what the your supervisor wants or once said publicly was not supported. Uh, he went out there and he said what he, you know, look. In a union shop, in a government shop, government employees, and even the civilians, you're all entitled to due process. Um, I don't think he said anything wrong by saying he's entitled to due process. I mean, that happens on, on a day. What's happening with George Floyd right now is due process. Yeah. That individual, Officer Chaver, will be, will be tried. He'll be found guilty or not guilty by a, a jury of his peers. And, and then from there, we'll, we'll deal with whatever the results are. And, and it looks, you know, in, in not in his favor. But, but the, the sad part is, is what, what's going on is that what he said, due process, is a judicial system. That's what we have in this country. And it's still the best system that I'm aware of in the world. So that, that you come, you get right. an opportunity to plead your case and your evidence and then get judged by, again, your peers on if you've done right, right or wrong. You, you can't, you know, make a decision as he's being asked to do. And, you know, I think he answered it correctly under that circumstance. No kidding. And then, of course, there were uh, riots last night, resulting in 40 uh, looting and, and 40 arrests the night before two arrests. And I want you to see this tweet. I want you to hear this tweet from Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who's an embarrassment to the country, in my view. It wasn't an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist. Dante Wright, the victim, was met with aggression and violence. I am not done with those who co I am done with those who condone government-funded murder. No more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. Uh, Commissioner Ryder, your thoughts? We try to get a balance, right? We we've heard engagement with our community. Those who are outside that speak and not, not knowing the facts and not understanding the process, you know, should take a step back. Just take a step back. Put your, 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 your feet in the shoes of that officer. As we do, put your, your feet in the shoes of George Floyd, right? We, nobody stood by the actions of that, that individual that day. Um, and so we have to let the process play out. We can't just, you know, Monday morning quarterback everything. Unfortunately, and, and, and I understand the concern of many, um, and that's why we're involved in, this, in, in reforms. That's why we're reinventing the way we police. But look, the number one problem, if you looked at several of the issues that have gone on around the country, it's training, 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 you know. And, and I think you hear most of the activists say that. Say, look, cops, it's not that they're against policing. They're against policing that needs to be trained more. 
And, and, and I mean, there's the support of the policing that needs to be changed more. And we need to do more training. And, you know, that, that is going to eliminate, hopefully, and some of with the other reforms in this country, that we can bring it down. We got to bring the tension down. Um, Commissioner, do you, uh, did you have any riots or any protests last night? No, no, none here in Nassau County. Um, we've been, uh, last one was over the weekend. It was peaceful. They um, met together in a park and uh, ended shortly thereafter, some about an hour after. I want you to so hear. We, we've been. Well, go ahead. No, you bet. All right. So MSNBC has this anchor, Mika Brzezinski, does Morning Joe. This is what she advised. Cut 15. Accident or not accident, you have to look at everything that happened that led up to that moment. Right. Because that's as much a part of it as the pulling of the trigger. The, the decision to pull him over at a time when registrations and the DMVs across the country are s- slow to respond, if at all, if you can even. Right. Um, every decision that was made leading up to that moment plays into the problem that we are all talking about right now. So with DMV slow, does do you tell your officers, hey, the, if there's expired, give them a break or her a break because DMV slow no, because I, of the pandemic? I think the law has said that where we have given 30-day extensions regarding inspections and registrations because DMV is behind because of the pandemic. But I think DMV is starting to catch up. But still, we tell our officers to enforce the law. When you go out with the VTL, you have the discretion to not issue the summons and just give a warning and let the person go. But to sit there and say that we shouldn't react on it, that's a mistake. We, we need to react on it because there are still bad people in this world. And, and again, this poor young man, it, it was a horrible, horrible situation. Um, and, and that officer now is going to live with that the rest of her life, uh, that choice that she made. And, and again, a lot of reasons why. Was it training? I don't know. But, again, I don't like the Monday morning quarterback to another agency either. But many times outside, people like to do that. Understood. Now, uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, the black and white issue, do you think race played a role in this? No, I don't think so. I, I think the, individ- the officer, you know, we, we get accused all the time on cost stops, and we try to explain this. We don't pull somebody over. I'm not saying there's not bad cops out there. What I'm saying is we don't pull somebody over based on their race. We pull them over if they've committed the violation. At least that's the way it's done in this county. And when you commit the violation, whatever that violation is, then we stop and we inquire. Um, once we approach the individual, it's the license registration. You explain what's going on. And that, that explanation, hey, look, I'm 30 days behind because DMV or I couldn't get to it. Okay, no problem. You know, and that officer then has an op- opportunity to issue the summons or not. Um, and, and many times, if explained correctly and, and everything works out fine, there are no summonses issued. Understood. Uh, Commissioner Patrick Ryder, thanks for bringing us inside the story uh, because uh, people on the outside think they're experts, uh, but we don't even know the details, but yet people are being fired. Last thing, uh, there's talk that the, that the police commissioner will be fired today for the way they acted last night, but more importantly, for not firing the officer. Do you look for that to happen? Well, like the city manager and the police commissioner, you serve at the pleasure and the pleasure of that mayor. If that mayor is going to fire him, I don't think it's right. But again, that's going to be that mayor's option to do that. All right. Uh, Commissioner Patrick Ryder, thanks so much. Appreciate it.
Okay, thank you. You got it. one 408 We'll find out if there's more to know next. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I'm thinking it's time with your confirmation. It could actually be, according to my watch, time to find out if there is indeed more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. I'm a little confused by this, but I'm going to do it because everyone else isn't. Hank Azaria is apologizing to every single Indian person for the role he played of Apu. Let's listen. Hey, hey, you're Apu Nahasapima Petalon, aren't you? I mean, you're the, you're like the guy. You're a legend around here. Can I ask you, is it true you once worked 96 hours straight? Oh, yes. It was horrible, I tell you. By the end, I thought I was a hummingbird of some kind. So uh, I don't watch it. I know I'm the only guy not to do it. But in an interview with Dax Shepard on his podcast, Armchair Expert, the 56-year-old actor revealed that he's on a major guilt trip over his longtime role in the Quickie Mart shopkeeper, Abu, on The Simpsons. Azaria, who is no longer voices the controversial character, says he's taking some unconventional steps to find out why his portrayal was offensive toward the Indian community. Quote, I was speaking at my son's school. I was talking to the Indian kids there because I wanted to get their input. What's your reaction to that? I mean... You can understand how it became like a derogatory term, but like enough of comedians apologizing for everything. It was a, you know, it's the longest running, right? Like, um, oh my God. Cartoon. Longest running character in the Yeah, it's like the whole, the series is so successful to apologize for it. Uh, I mean, you could see how you feel bad about kids getting called names, but come on. Next, Susan Page, U.S. of USA Today, is writing a book about Nancy Pelosi. It's called Madam Speaker, at which time Pelosi unloads on the squad at one point adopting a childlike voice when discussing Congresswoman AOC. Quote, you're not a one-person show. This is the Congress of the United States. Went on to call Mitch McConnell is not a force for good in the country. He's an enabler of some of the worst stuff. Okay. Do you have a look in the mirror? No. She's the best, right? Boehner's actually nice to her. Next. Nikki Haley says she will not run against President Trump if he mounts a campaign. Clearly, she wants to run. She, according to experts, made a mistake by calling out Donald Trump for saying what he did on January 6th. Remember? Yeah, and she got a lot of blowback for that. And now I guess she would support him. Next, Harvey Weinstein fighting extradition to Los Angeles, saying he's lost teeth. He's in a wheelchair. He's almost blind at this point. Uh, The defense is getting another three weeks to challenge the DA's request to extradite him uh, from New York to Los Angeles for all of his horrible behavior with women. We should call our buddy Arthur Idala to ask him about it. Who work with him. I wonder if he's still with him. Can he talk about the case when you're done? He can, whether he will. I think he would. It's hard to get other clients then. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.